0: Happy birthday, dear Leo. Happy birthday (laughs) to What's
1: up, Chicago? Welcome back to Moves at the Blue Line. We are once again, finally, back after I was on sabbatical last week, back in our triple threat formation here once again i'm leo Stodder, one of your hosts here at moves of the blue line we are as mentioned in the triple threat formation with mr joey dwyer of formerly of the and mayhem and many other titles welcome back joey
0: i appreciate it and um it's i just want to give a little context because we all sound a little shaken up but we are all um isu redbirds at heart and there was a big uh Big event this weekend. It was Illinois State homecoming. Uh, we went to the old stomping grounds. Uh, we were reliving some memories. Couldn't quite put the yearbook away. And... Um so we're a little shaken up, but we thought that we still needed to to get something out to the people.
1: Yeah, we had all three of us together. Exactly, it was exactly. it was, it was,
0: was a fun time. And I was ready.
2: about to say, calling us triple threat formation is like, who are we threatening right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, the we're only st- thing we're threatening is to run upstairs to the bathroom real quick and figure something. Only out. Only thing
0: we're threatening right now is a pair is a set of bed sheets. Oh, yeah, we're, we're about ready to
1: clock. We're only a threat to ourselves at this point. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and the third voice of our crew is Mr. Dane Dreyfus. Everybody's somewhat favorite wisconsinite i don't know what to say to that honestly we're so in our bag right now that it's it's not not a good luck. but it was the first week of the nhl season so it was about time we picked up the microphones got some thoughts out into the intraweb internet uh, into the universe whether you want to hear them or not and Perhaps one of the biggest stories in the hockey universe is the emergence of one young Connor Bedard making his debut and living up to the hype. I mean, national TV spotlight on him that first game going up against Sidney Crosby, kind of looking at it as maybe a passing of the torch type moment. It was a lot of pressure on him those first couple games, and he seemed to be ready for the big occasion and then some. It looked like to me through the first period or so, Um,
0: He was still trying to get acclimated just to the speed. Uh, When he was entering the zone, it looked like he thought he had a little more time to make a move than he did. And I know that he participated in the preseason and the rookie tournament, all this stuff. But I don't think anything really prepares you for Uh, getting in real game speed. But he's such a wicked player that by his sixth or seventh shift, he had figured it out he's been contributing since and that that's really been the big story for Chicago cuz it's Connor Bedard and all his band of merry men
1: yeah and even i i mean big picture for that game too talking about what it means for hockey too i thought it was really cool the presentation espn put on with everything uh that they kind of had a little bit of the mic'd up features with him uh, from pre-game and in-game i thought it was cool how they, they presented it i mean it's a big spotlight to put on an 18 year old kid but it it drew in a lot of non-traditional hockey viewers i mean the ratings for that game were insane and i think it's just a really cool how they put it on and i'm intrigued to see kind of what they keep doing with it this season did you like the ref thing though I'm sure that stuff hap- the, the For context, the ref welcoming to the NHL, that stuff happens probably all in every sport and stuff. The, the refs talk to the players. They know that stuff. This one was just – they it got sc- caught. It, it on- seems scripted, though, this one. Like, they were told to do that. That's all I mean, I'm saying. Right? I think – I think – think- I mean, You always hear it in the NFL, too, like – uh the refs talking to the players like uh, I remember Joe Burrow's first game the ref did a similar type thing like welcome to the league or something like after like his first time getting sacked or something and, like, they always kind of
0: and I mean maybe that just that stuff. maybe it just has that kind of hokey feel to it because for the first 40 minutes of that broadcast we got the Sid and Connor like sit down at media day and where they're that just was talking cool too. I really did like that I thought it was like it almost felt like a passing of the torch yeah. moment obviously Sid's
1: not hanging him up Right. But he's clearly on his way out. It felt cool. Yeah, and it it almost kind of goes against what hockey marketing's traditionally been. I mean, if you look at what's taken the NBA to the next level or the NFL, how they market it. Star players versus star players or in the NFL, it's quarterbacks versus quarterbacks, even though they're not on the same field at the same time. But you're watching these games to see Mahomes versus Josh Allen. That's how they're marketed. It is, and it felt like hockey or the NHL kind of had that same approach with that first game with Crosby against uh, Bedard. <laughs> and it Mc was good. almost said McDavid a different Connor, but uh, just shows what kind of day it is yeah. for us. But uh, it, it had that similar kind of billing. And I think that is what's going to draw in the non-traditional hockey fan because nobody's going to be watching the game because of the depth of the third and the fourth lines of of the best teams in the NHL. They're watching because of that top-end talent, and it goes against what hockey is. Hockey is a team sport. The players don't like taking credit, but you kind of have to do that, I think, to draw in those fans of all sports.
2: You know what was my most surprising thing about Bedard's debut? was the respect he was given from the opposition. Yeah. Like, the especially on the power play, he was getting the OV treatment. Like, they, were, they
0: had a guy within stick length of him at all times. You could see, like, he had such a gravity in the offensive zone. Wherever he was with the puck, the entire defense shifted his way. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot yeah. throughout this season is he might be, like, he, obviously he's got a wicked shot, and he is a great goal scorer, but he might even be a better facilitator this year just because of how much attention that yeah. he draws. There's always I mean, somebody open.
1: Part of that might be because of who he's out there with. I mean, you're not going to show that you don't same think caution Donato. to Ryan Donato. That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. uh, too. Like, Andreas Athanasio or whoever else on the Hawks, they're not going to command that type of respect. But at, to your point, like it is crazy that Bedard is already commanding that kind of discipline from the defenses at two games, three games into his NHL career already.
2: So, and you're getting respect not only from your opponents, but your coach as well. Kid got 20 minutes of ice time in his debut. Like, yeah, you're really easing him into it. Luke Richardson put him out in key situations. And in my opinion, I think Bedard rose to the occasion.
1: And another, I mean, another point I will say about, uh, Luke Richardson, his way he trusted his young guys. At the end of the Boston game, how he had Bedard, Reichel, and Korchinski all on the ice in like the final couple minutes together, like how he just puts his young guys on the ice, get them out there, that he's not deferring to, to some veterans out there that he wants to get these guys experience in big moments. I'm, I'm impressed with the handling of Luke Richardson's handling of the young players so and far. And
0: I think that also shows a lot of the direction that they want to take for this team because I think that now. The quote-unquote tank is complete after you get Bedard. Yeah. I feel like while they don't want to lose games anymore, I think they're okay with it as long as it's in service of getting yeah. these guys acclimated and getting them real minutes in real crunch time situations where they can learn and become better players.
1: And and to that point, too, I think we're kind of seeing that with the Lucas Reichel center treatment. With him where He's taken some lumps there so far. But this is the point. This season's about development. You kind of have to try that because if he does end up becoming an NHL center, the Hawks are kind of set. If you have Bedard and Reichel as your one, two, that's a really good spot to be in. And maybe it doesn't look great right now, but it's another probably lost season. You might as well just try it for as long as you can for that point.
2: So, my only opinion to that would be if Taylor Hall, which he got hurt in the Boston game and is week to week with what is believed to be an upper body injury. Is I really would prefer to see Reichel slotted in with Bedard on that wing because I want at least someone that can help drive play with Connor. Yeah. Um, I don't want like maybe a fantasy you can slot into that as well. But I, I don't like what I've seen from Reichel at center. And I'm not saying that they should just hang up the project. Yeah. I agree with what you're saying. But with the incoming center prospects that they have ready to go in the next couple of years, I don't think it's critical that Reichel is your long-term
0: 2C. To- I, I also don't see a problem with while you – like you said, we the Hawks have a lot of those guys coming up through the system. But I don't see you a problem. You don't
1: prob- know what they are yet. Exactly.
0: So I don't see a problem with Reichel taking those minutes at center, even if – Endgame is him on the wing because worse comes to worse, five years from now when this team is competing and we lose uh, a second-line center, all of a sudden you have a guy that you can slot in who maybe that's not his primary position, but he's got the experience.
1: Yeah, because, yeah, I think it just helps that you you at least try. You find out what you got in him, see what it is at that. And, I mean, because some of these prospects, maybe they don't pan out as that second-line center or maybe they are also a winger, so... It's worth a shot, and again, the season probably isn't going to matter, so you might. this is the time to try it, so, so I'm for
2: it. My thing is, too, is that we're, we're talking about develop developing him at a new position in center, which he played a little bit in the A last year, but Reichel really tore it up in the NHL as a winger last year, and I don't like seeing him bounce back and forth where this it can really hinder a player's development, especially after seeing how successful he was as a, as a winger. I want him. I would. Well, he got that valuable experience at center in the AHL <laughs> last season. But I would. I would almost put a cap at like this experiment. Like I don't want to see this if it's not working a quarter of the way through the year. That's when you
0: call it a day. But then, what do you want to do? I mean, and I know that it, competing is not the ultimate goal this season. But then, what do you want to do with that second line?
1: If yeah, if I think you don't- I. I was gonna think too. How much of this is also out of necessity? Because. Who uh, who is going Ra- to that Radish can line? play center? Do you know I, I, yeah, I mean playing. it's almost the same type of thing. He's not good at center either, and he might be set up better to succeed at the wing. Like it,
2: well Taylor and- Radish isn't a part of the future of this team.
1: Uh, I, I don't know. But I still don't think you want him as your second. Like that, who's that going to help by him playing second line center and just getting your doors kicked in with that? Yeah, and like I, I get what you're saying, right? Like if if you
0: want him on the wing. This whole time, and the Hawks were playing him on the wing last season, so he got comfortable in that role and he excelled in that role. But I don't see the issue with trying him at center Mm -hmm. just because, if at the end of the day, if you're not going to win, if you're not going to compete anyway, you might as well see what you got. And maybe it'll take him half a season to figure it out, but I would rather do that. You have the games to waste at this point, exactly. I'd rather do that than have give up on it because he hasn't looked good in his first full NHL season playing a position that he might not be totally comfortable with.
2: I just think this experiment happens with too many high end prospects where it's like is he a center is he a winger and you're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and it's like no he's a winger. Well, Stop like you saw it with uh former Blackhawks Kirby Doc, Max Domi specifically in Montreal um Man, I'm missing... Kane had some
1: uh, trial and error at center. That was like a week. But, I mean, that was a different time in his development. He was already an established player. Exactly, and he sucked at center. But (laughs) Lucas Reichel isn't what Patrick... This was like 2012 the Hawks were trying that with Kane. Like, with Lucas Reichel, he's not five years... Or however many years Kane was in the NHL at this point. He's still in his two and a half years... A year and a half in the NHL. He's got time to... I think he had got time to waste... Not waste, but time to try it with him rather than taking someone who's already a made guy and putting him at center.
0: Yeah, I and if, if you boys are all right with it, we could talk about the back end for just a little bit. Yeah. Um, well,
2: and it's probably a nothing issue, just considering yeah. how positionless the Ford uh, hockey position is but, with taking draws, but go ahead.
0: What were you going to say about the decoy? I just wanted to know what you guys... Because that was one of our big question marks coming into the season was what is this decor going to look like? Courtch and and he has pill and you got Courtch, you've got a couple other young guys with a couple of veterans who have been so so, but it hasn't looked terrible. There are some guys that I like. There, are some I, guys I've seen that enough I- of Jared Tenorti already. <laughs>
2: I feel Jared Tenoris, man. I feel for him, <laughs> but uh, the kids have been all right. Nope. Like they've and I mean the, the mistakes they've made have been yeah. growing pains. They're not right. like raising red flags.
1: I think you know with young teams, they're going to struggle early in the season and on the road, especially. And we kind of saw that with Wyatt Kaiser on the Boston game. Definitely. Boston was just kind of going at him. They they found matchups they liked with the lines and were attacking him. He had a rough game, but he's young. And he's just going to take take some lumps early in his career. And I've liked what I've seen from him so far. He seems to have some smarts. A bad game for him in Boston. But in the big picture, hopefully that's just a part of the learning curve because he could... Again, if you can get him and Kevin Korchinski up to speed this year, that could be huge for, for the long-term trajectory of this team. If you get two young defensemen up to speed looking solid, who knows where they fit into the long-term pieces as you know top four, top two guys maybe, but at least you got them getting reps, getting you to NHL speed. I've liked what I've seen from them so far.
2: I've liked Korchinski, Kaiser, and Vlasic have all shown me enough good to outweigh the the simple mistakes they're making, because yeah. I think you could coach the mistakes yeah, out and they've, of
1: them. They've deserved to stay in the lineup too. That's the big thing. I, I mean, especially with Korchinski, how he's eligible to return back to juniors. I don't think he does. No, I think he's he's got great staying. poise for his age. And what the big thing too? What I his sense to always. There have been a few plays in those. I, I full disclosure, I did not watch the Montreal game. I've only watched the. First None of two us games. did. None good. of we were okay. all, yeah. We, yeah, we we went and watched the highlights. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't do that either. <laughs> 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 but the, there's been a few plays where he just he makes the pass up and then he joins in on the rush that he just follows things up. He's got good wheels for a guy his size too. Like he he can move, can follow the play up ice. I think he's got some really good offensive instincts, and it's only been a matter of time before he starts and connecting he, and bearing. He, some. he
0: had a couple moments in the Boston game too where. Um, forwards were on a change at an inopportune time and he would push the puck up by himself mm-hmm. and create time for his teammates to get back into position and even sometimes like set up offensively so you're right he's got great wheels I really like the way he's played I am not a huge fan of his partner at the moment but you I know, think the th- things will get ironed out. <clears throat>
2: Korchinski's got a really interesting skating stride it just it looks kind of um He's a tall kid. I don't think he's fully grown into his body yet, so it's kind of a lanky stride. But also, too, I was really looking forward to all the tweets from that Uh, Bedard, Korchinski, two on one, where I think was it Bedard to Korchinski and either Omar made a great save or something. But I was like, oh, we just dodged a huge Twitter feed explosion (laughs) if that one. And it's like the Blackhawks are so back. They've got their next version of Kane and Keith. But uh, my last thing on Korchinski, too, is uh, he gets a lot of comparison to Shea Theodore of the Golden Knights. His game kind of resembles Jay Bomeister a little bit to me, just with his confidence with the puck
0: and making really smart decisions. And that stuff will only grow as he gets more comfortable in the league. I would I would hate to see him go back to junior. And I, yeah. I really don't
1: think well, they will. No, the he things won't. he needs to work on, he's not going to be able to improve in junior. If you want to be stronger on the puck, to get used to playing in tight spaces, what is the point of him dominating against 16- and 17-year-olds going to accomplish where he's going to be more physically dominant than these players? He needs to learn how to play against grown men, and that's what he's going to get to do in the NHL.
2: See, and that's where I think the Blackhawks screwed up with Bokvist's development because he came from Sweden. And then they sent him to London to get adjusted to yeah. North American ice. And he tore it up and, and looked unreal with his offensive game. But they, they don't teach defensive responsibility there.
1: No, That's, the league where everybody scores like 120 points. Yeah, there's not much defense. Yeah.
2: Right. And then Bulkfist, he either should have been probably moved directly to the NHL or the A. And I know I'm a big proponent in developing in the AHL. But that, but in that situation, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more uh, defensive responsibility and playing against grown men,
0: being able to make really bad mistakes and not the largest spotlight. And I'm hoping at some point this season, uh, this is a guy that w- we, when we talked about the Hawks preseason, I really liked what I saw from Isaac Phillips in those preseason games just because that's a guy who's kind of been in the system for a couple yeah. years. He's gotten a taste of the NHL. I would love to know what the Hawks have with him, because I think that he could be a guy who could fill out your maybe bottom pairing and do a really good job at it.
1: And that's kind of kind of what we we're talking about with this season being for development. I'd rather see him than guys like, and I know a journeyman. He kind of earned looks. Richardson loved his grit and everything last year, but like at this point, I'd also rather see like a guy like Phillips than uh than just journeyman like that. Oh yeah, because he's gotten. Tenorti has lost a, lost a step on the foot. I think. I think did he ever have one to begin with? I was gonna
0: say. I feel like that's a. It's bad. That's pretty fair. But he gets dude. The way he gets blown by in the neutral zone sometimes. He
1: probably would have been fine in this league in like 2003, but oh <laughs> with yeah, the modern NHL speed. Well, I, I Before I was the at,
0: pre-lockout yeah, Tenordi. W- and grab. Tenordi would have been a, a like an undervalued top four guy <laughs> for sure.
2: I was looking at his like. Uh, hockey reference page just to see what, what his career has looked like because i was like because everyone's like he's kind of a recognizable name he's bounced around on a couple teams and it's like
1: i've always he's got the thanks dad thing going for him too i mean my thing is is he's never been a regular NHLer. he's always been a 2 No, until guy until he gets to a team that was trying to lose games last
2: year and he has a couple of block shots that <laughs> gets him uh gets him some respect Block shots with his face it, right and it's like you know what like we need Zaitsev and Connor Murphy on the roster to be cap compliant. We don't need Jared Tenorti. We don't need like his foot speed is a liability, and it's honestly making it more difficult for the development of these younger defensemen. There's no, there's no point in
0: having because happening. you're leaving whoever's on his pairing, whether it be, you know, if they put Vlasic or Kaiser there, you're leaving them on an island. If he gets caught up too high, mm-hmm. and then these guys who are like. <laughs> 10 miles an hour faster than him, just blow by. He's standing there,
1: and like, dude, I don't even know if Tenorti's an, an AHL player. Like, he's he's the perfect AHL player, he, dude. He would be on the Wolves, he'd be like a, no, wearing I, a letter give there,
0: me, yeah. Dude, give me, like, let's go, let's go out like the Syracuse Crunch. Give me Jared Tenorti and Logan Stanley, first pairing <laughs> D. You're selling tickets
1: to that game. Yeah. Oof. No, especially being like uh, with a former NHLers name too. Like, oh, it'll yeah. He'll be, be set. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I was just kind of thinking too, we didn't. Touch on it. We talk more about the in-game stuff, but one of my favorite parts of that Boston game was the pre-game ceremony, the Boston Centennial celebration. I mean, just as a fan of the game, it was cool to see that many of the the club legends in one spot. The different stuff they were showing. I don't know where that fits in the long-term stuff, but that was just a really cool thing. And to those watch. those Boston jerseys were nice. I, I like the. I
0: hate how nice they are. The
1: <sighs> the I don't even know what color, like the brownish color too, like the helmets and uh, everything. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't... It wasn't like the obnoxious brown that yeah. like they
0: do when they're trying
1: to look old. It just like but had... Like, that was it was like a sand. Boston's yeah. original uniforms had like that browner color to more match the color of a bear. Yeah. Um, it was That's what they originally were. And I thought that was a really nice touch how they incorporated that uh, into the... Because that's their alternate, right? The, it's like the third jersey. Then they got... A black and a white jersey as and well, are,
2: but so they're all new jerseys this season yeah. to celebrate. So I don't know which one that. I think it was the alternate to start the year. Yeah, off. the one they wore against the Hawks. Um, but I think it might be like with the success that people are really liking these jerseys. With it, I think they might be going through a soft rebrand too yeah. to get back to that brown. That brown and gold really is easy on the eyes, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. No, that was and that was just a cool thing. I mean, just the house almost. They almost blew the roof off that place when Bobby Orr uh, came out. And then it it was a little corny, all the old guys with the sticks, raise your sticks. But uh, it was cool to see that many legends in the place. And I thought it was a nice touch. The deceased uh, players who had had their numbers retired, that they did have members of the family. That was really cool. A cool touch to still incorporate them, even though they're no longer uh, with us. I thought that was a really well done ceremony. Because, I mean, I felt like when the NHL had their centennial celebration in 2017, they left a little to be desired for it. But uh, it's cool to see teams now getting to do their own uh, 100th anniversary celebrations, Boston being up now, see how they put their own uh, special flair on it.
0: I think it'll be cool, too, to see how the other original six teams approach this moving forward, because there is a lot of history there. And I think it's cool that they were able to do it against the Hawks, one of these... Oh, yeah, a fellow original six team. Exactly, one of these old teams that has a lot of that history with them. And they were showing before, like, the the times that the Hawks and Bruins matched up in the championships, like, in the 30s. Yeah, right. And that was, that was really cool, too. Yeah.
1: And because I remember, uh, I think it was Montreal's, when they had their uh, 100th anniversary, every time, like, they faced the original six, or at least with the Hawks, like, they also brought back Blackhawks Legends for, like, a puck drop before the game. So they had, an, they'd do, like, a dual puck drop with, like, a Blackhawks Legend and a Canadians Legends. Was, it was a really cool touch for the original six. Like, there's so much history with all these franchises. It's underrated, cool, too,
2: yeah. that you mentioned with the... Uh the alumni for the Bruins it's like noted Blackhawk Bobby Orr was yeah, the, right. the first one that they had raise a stick
1: no, I th- uh, Zawas- Jay Zawaski, I think tweeted out the picture of the Bobby Orr Blackhawks branded pinball machine oh, like God. if you can find one of those that would be incre- an incredible or, uh, we're
2: gonna get one for the stew I
0: don't yeah. know. we're in uh some inside in, inside business right now, but we're uh, just down the street from the Galloping Ghost Pinball oh, Museum. That's right. I wonder if they've got one of those. We'll Maybe, have to go. Yeah.
2: Someday would be we... a shame if it went missing. I, I know
1: <laughs> at the Galloping Ghost they have the the what's the the NHL overtime video game. Where, uh, it's like yeah. a big. Ha- it's like the hockey ripoff of NBA. Games. Oh, yeah. NHL arcade. kind of. Yeah. yeah. That that. Thing I forget exactly sweet. what it's called, but I, I've seen like that they got it at the Galloping Ghost because they used to have one of those uh, at the ice rink I grew up playing at, and then. They didn't have anymore. I guess it's now out at the ghost. Yeah, that's those are good
0: times. I love those, and then the big bubble hockey. So we've got oh one of those. Yeah, yeah we've got one of those uh, at the in the Cumulus office a big Blackhawks yeah. one that just it's the huge ones with all the sticks. I love those. Hot
2: take: I'm not a bubble hockey or uh, stick <sighs> hockey, whatever you call it. I'm not. Oh, a huge fan I, of those I love
1: games. those. In my high school cafeteria, we had one of those uh, USA versus US versus Soviet Union.
2: Oh, that's a classic. <laughs> oh, one. but
1: that's so the sweet. way the one of the Soviet Union players was like broken so he was leaning forward so he got slightly longer reach so that was like a hack like you'd always want to play as the soviets because their left wing his course he was insane
0: (laughs) soviets and left wing hear (laughs) that one off
1: (laughs) but that would that would like you'd run you could run the table in the lunch period because the way it would play like uh the winner would stay on then the the challenger would have to pay to play it. So like, you'd always like, it would always be like an upperclassman would be the first one to get there, take the Soviets and you'd want to play as them. God, I wish every day of my life I'd gone to brother. Ice. (laughs) That sounds so fun. Yeah. That's
0: actually a great little story (laughs) to be honest with you. Thanks guys. All right. So we're tired, um, but we should hit a couple things around the league. Yeah. I feel like um, first things first is Austin Matthews, the best goal scorer of all time through two games. (laughs) Uh, overreaction season let's
2: go Uh, i mean like with how bad edmonton started because mcdavid hasn't gone off to a start Matthews is a pretty solid MVP vet right now. It's been
1: what two games, and we're talking McDavid.
2: Yeah, have a horrible season. No, he's not. But I mean, Matthews is pacing like, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say the stupid 82 times three because he yeah. started out with two hat tricks. Like when someone hits a
1: home run on opening day, like, he's, he's on, pace. on pace for 162 home runs. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Look out, Roger. Hey,
0: I will say Corey Perry is on pace for an 82 point season. I do, I do, do want to throw that out there, and we're getting the resurgence of prime Corey perry i just think matthews also wasn't 100
2: <laughs> wasn't 100 healthy last year so and i think he still put up 40 goals and put up 40 so i'm saying like i think like 65 wouldn't be crazy i think 70 is where we're getting into the little bit outside of the box yeah. territory but what,
1: what's the stat like uh post 0405 lockout the only players to hit 60 are matthews stamkos and uh So like pasternak last year oh that's right so now it's four but originally it was only three it was Uh, crazy
2: that last year completely underrated storyline was two people hitting 60 yeah um and it just goes to show you how great pasta was last year and then making and he scored 61 if i'm not mistaken which matthew's mvp year was 60 and everyone lost their mind
1: yeah and it just shows like how maybe not underappreciated is in this era but he's been able to do it in this area like he doesn't uh, maybe get the credit he deserves. Uh, 305 goals in 483 games. That's a lot to be uh, impressed with. I mean, if anyone's going to catch Ovi at this point, it's
2: like Matthews could be hot on his tail. He, like If he can put up a couple more 60-goal seasons, I think Ovi only had one, right, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken? yeah. If he even had one. But
1: I think he might have been on... Maybe the the shortened season in twenty twenty he might have been on pace. He had fifty one or no, that's forty eight through sixty eight games in nineteen twenty. So maybe he could have. That would have been tricky. But yeah, I'm trying to find Ovechkin. He had sixty five in 08 and then yeah, that's it. He's had fifty a couple times, but yeah, only only one sixty goal season. What a, and what a rare thing
0: to be able to watch. And now that there are multiple players in the league who have proven that they're capable of doing this any given season is so exciting I think just on a on a broad scale I think that's something to be really excited about and then and looking at the micro I that's bodes huge for the Leafs in a division
1: where it's going to be tough sled in the entire year yeah Yeah. I mean we I think we touched on it a little bit in the season preview show but Matthew's kind of quickly getting that extension wrapped up. I would have loved to see what it would have looked like if he hit the open market in free agency in the NHL just like, oh my god, especially if I mean, even at this point in career, he's probably the best player to ever hit free agency. And, <laughs> but I mean, it's not not happening. We're talking about what ifs here, but and it he, would have been cool to see like what that frenzy would have looked like. Him hitting free agency too
0: after the announcement where the cap is going to raise. Oh, he, show me the money. I he think could, that number starts at 17. Uh, I'm not even kidding. Like that's to get a player like that on a roster is transformational for your team.
2: You have to look at it from a cap percentage, too. I think you're looking at close to 20% of your cap for that one player, which is bonkers. So that's going to a bad team with a lot of cap space as well,
0: and maybe one that is his hometown team. But this is all hypotheticals, and yeah, it's not going to happen. But I mean, so. that's also, already extended. You're, you're paying that guy that much money because we're, we're eventually going to have to have the conversation when Connor Bedard is up for his first big boy contract, yeah. we're going to have to have the conversation of how much is this guy worth? And if you look at, say, he's going to make, you know, 20 percent of the team's cap, is he then responsible for 20 percent of this team's production?
2: Well, you know, what's funny is I've been meaning to leave a message on 32 thoughts question line of why don't players like Bedard or if, if it's even allowed to offer them an extension in their rookie season. Well, I
1: think it has to be, I think the way it works is within a year of free agency. So like, because that was the problem with Kane and Taves uh, when they were up for those big extensions. They couldn't offer them the extensions until July 1st prior to the when they'd hit free agency because you'd almost uh, some of these teams like with players that I don't want to say are surefire things but because baseball what, you can do that where you can extend a guy like before they even make the majors but right like, uh, hockey yeah, it's got to be within the year but, uh, prior to hitting free agency interesting because it like
2: if I was a GM I'd want to be super proactive about it and just I would say like because let's be real when Bedard's ready for his first deal Ten million doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility, yeah. and if you know, because I mean, now, players
1: skip that bridge deal with that second contract. Now they go right to the the big, big money. time payday. So
0: yeah, and if especially if the league keeps trending in the way that it has in the last couple of off seasons, where these guys want these shorter term big money contracts, guy obviously the teams would want to lock them up at a reasonable number for the whatever seven eight years, but if he wants to he plays his first couple of years the Hawks are competing and he wants say 11 million dollars for four years and then renegotiate after that that is that seems to be the trend for players that's what they want is less term more and money
1: I, I kind of like that because then it's it puts them a little bit more in the driver's seat that they're not getting signed through what their prime is going to be that they can still in theory have that contract end when their best years are still ahead of them and hopefully get another big payday
2: i wouldn't be surprised if in the next cba uh the max term on a deal gets negotiated down to five or six years yeah i mean these eight-year contracts are
1: the worst right and it's like it sets
2: it's it's better for both the player and the team i don't know why it's
0: eight years you know i feel like the argument was a guy will take as many years as he can get yeah get to that get get se- stability security exactly to get his money and have that job security yeah. but the way the league is now, where players are protected more, it's, say what you will, it's a less physical game. Guys can extend their careers out a little bit more if they play it right. Like, these guys are looking at a 10-year window from 24 to 34 where they're going to be in their athletic prime. And I'm sure that they want to be have the opportunity to sign three separate contracts during
1: that, that period. I, I guess some of them, though, I mean, they want to just – be, be able to keep their family in one place for a certain time. They want to enroll their kids in schools. They want to, for some, maybe that eight years is ideal because then you are you know where you're going to be, especially if you get that no movement clause. I mean, it's, there's the human aspect of it too. I
2: would be interested to see of all the eight-year deals that have been signed in the past 10 years, how many of them have already been moved yeah. or did, uh, came to completion with that team that they signed with. Probably not a lot. So, exactly. So that's another reason
0: why it shouldn't probably be that high. but. Yeah. It, Go ahead. No, no, I'm yeah, I, I'm agreeing, but I still think that there are guys who want that level of security. Yeah,
2: yeah. and you know what? We have seen a bigger amount of like fourth line guys getting all big term like was it Chris Tanev that signed a five or six year deal with Pittsburgh before he got taken
0: by Seattle in the expansion draft yeah and some somebody this offseason I wish I could if my brain wasn't absolutely fried I'd remember who it was signed like three mil for seven years this offseason some cool. bottom six guy who the team is just confident that he'll be around and Be effective in that role for that period of time, and like that's a smart move. Oh, um, that's that's it. Was Colorado, wasn't it? Was it? Uh, I I I don't think it would be them. I can't, I can't remember for sure, but like that's that's a smart move for a guy who's on the bottom six.
1: That's
0: like because he's not making big money, but you get you know three
1: million dollars a year, that's a hefty chunk of change. We we call that a hall of famer at the bank, like that's yeah.
2: (laughs) Leo, Leo, pull up Colorado's cap friendly, cause I'm uh, all right, boss. I don't have my computer in front of me.
0: I apologize, but yeah, uh, D- Dane came woefully unprepared today. Yeah. Shucker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're disrespectful. I'm sorry, boys. Uh, I'm efforting Colorado. Somebody just keep talking while I'm Can, I get, can I get sympathy knocks for that real quick? Yeah, should we, should we do table. a quick? Uh, yeah, we'll <laughs> put like a sound effect in there. Yeah. <laughs> <Ciao>. <laughs>
2: just explaining, sympathy knocks is just something we've that goes back to college. Just something we do whenever we make fun <laughs> of each other and. Digs maybe a little too deep. So,
0: just uh, and I like how Dane said when we make fun of each other, usually Dane is on the receiving end. Yeah, are we talking about Miles Wood? Maybe he's. Yes,
1: got I think it is Miles Wood. Two and a half for. Uh, let me for forever. Yeah, he's signed through twenty twenty nine at two and a half. For, I, Ross Colden was stuck in the brain, but he's way too good to make that like, little money. Yeah, Ross Col- Colden's making four mil through 2027. If you're
0: yeah. Miles Wood and you locked up for that long, you know you're going to be making two and a half million dollars because that's a guy who... Could have a, a little bit of a breakout and be a regular contributor, but that's also the ki- kind of guy who could he find might himself just be in the what he is right no, now. No, no, no. Yeah, I, exactly. I, think, I don't think Joey meant breakout. I think have like an outlier season for his career. Even even if like an outlier season, or just like be able to establish a real NHL role, which he's done for himself. Yeah. But guys like that can wash out as quickly as they come in. I've never seen
2: Miles Wood and David Clarkson in the same room.
0: That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you they could, both use warrior gloves as well. I think you could put maybe 50 guys in that category yeah, who my, all are basically <laughs> the carbon copies of
1: one another. Miles Wood career high season in points 27 and that was last year. So yeah, that's yeah, what's yeah, getting that's, you that's what's getting you that contract. We so. are we are a pro Miles Wood podcast. This is I did when I I don't know if we are. I thought he had he actually did some
2: uh oh, dirty no. stuff against the Blackhawks back oh, in the day. Okay. Yeah. It's like the brinket Okay. But I thought I don't you know. meant like I, I thought stuff. I thought we were going
0: to talk about off. I thought you were going to bring in some off-the-ice issues. I was no, I'm like, pretty
2: sure Miles Wood's a pretty cool dude. Just, okay, he, dude. He has good vibes on the ice. Like, that's a guy you want on your team.
1: Yeah. Great skater. Guy you love to have, guy you hate to play against, yeah. Miles Wood. Yeah. And that was our Miles Wood appreciation segment for this week. We'll <laughs> have an he, intro he and the that. sound effects made
0: for that at some point. And we'll, we'll be talking um, maybe once a week. We'll be talking Miles Wood, <laughs> seeing if he gets – We'll, we'll place an over/under right now for the next week, or yeah, for next week we'll revisit it. Just uh, seeing n- what he does. Next if Monday, he does anything? Next Monday, I'm setting his over/under at ice time at uh, ten and a half. Who's taking? Who's taking what? I'll take the under. I, I said that without even looking at what he's got so far so this his, season.
1: Uh, career average. Oh my is god, we're still
0: Ooh, 13. he's averaging
1: twelve fifteen this season. So
2: worked oh. two games in, <laughs> and I think
0: Colorado's been penalized, and he's in my, he's a penalty killer. So, so what are we saying, uh, Miles Wood
1: for Selke? Then he's a penalty taker as well. Seventy-six <laughs> penalty minutes last year. <laughs> I could have, yeah, he is a penalty
0: taker. That's uh, that's very true. None this year though. Hey, good for yeah. him, Miles. Hey, if I can say one thing, Miles Wood got his money and he cleaned up his game. Yeah. he cleaned up
1: his act. There are out children there. watching. <laughs> Talk about the kids, Miles. Oh, cl- clearly, we've run out of brain power. <laughs> oh. oh man, yeah, Miles My- Wood gets the stick taps for this week. Yeah. Dane,
0: any any last words about Miles Wood? Sick name. <laughs>
2: yeah hey (laughs) lay in the wood (laughs) he's got miles of you never mind (laughs) 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 yeah
1: get us out of here all righty well signing off i think it's time to go you've heard enough from us for this week and we've certainly had enough that was doing that hockey for this week for Dane dreyfus for joey dwyer this is leo stoddard thanking you for listening and you know what thank you listener we appreciate you stick taps to you thanks Just keep on being you. This was Moves at the Blue Line. Happy birthday, Leo. Happy birthday, Leo. Thanks, guys. All right. We're done. Go away.
0: (laughs) I don't give a I'm not eating this tuna, okay? Shut Shut up! up!